You know, faith is uh, no doubt a mysterious thing, and uh, we sometimes overestimate our role in the equation, and we underestimate the power of God. Uh, you know, it would be like this. Uh, imagine if uh, somebody said to you, you know, I want to offer you a free service for your house. Uh, uh, say the person says, look, I, I clean houses, and I want to uh, give you a free day of service. I'm going to come and clean your house. Uh, and uh, so you think, okay, well, that's pretty nice. I, I'd love my house to be cleaned. Uh, and the person says, but I don't want to be paid. This is free, but there is a catch. And you say, okay, uh, well, what's the catch? And she says, well, I'll explain it to the moment. And she says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to uh, clean your kitchen. I'm going to wash the floors. I'm going to pack your dishwasher. I'm going to unpack the dishwasher. Then I'm going to wash your windows, both the inside and the outside. Uh, clean the countertops. I'll vacuum the, the living room. And in the bathroom, we'll do the toilet. We'll do the grouting in your tiles. Clean your shower. Do your shower curtain. Uh, you take out the trash, uh, you, you, your house will just be really, really great. And uh, you think, okay, well, that sounds wonderful. I mean, it's like overwhelming, in fact. Uh, and the person says, yeah, um, but there is a catch. And you say, well, what's the catch? And she says, well, you have to be there to let me in on a mutually agreeable time. And you're like, yeah, obviously, I've got to unlock the house. She says, no, no, there's three things, requirements. The other requirement is you need to make sure that there's water and electricity. And you're like, yeah, okay, so what's the catch? Uh, and she said, lastly, I'm a pro at this. I just don't want you to directing me and telling me how to do things. And you say, yeah, okay. No, well, that's it. That's, that's the catch. Can I do that for you? And he's like, that's not much of a catch. Friends, let me just say that when we walk in faith, this is the way it is with the Lord. The Lord is saying, look, will you just let me into your life? Will you let me direct traffic instead of you? I will take care of all the details. I'll fix up all the mess. I'll direct everything that needs to be directed. Can you just let me in? Will you just like get out of my way and let me do the heavy lifting? And with faith, it's like that. We think we have to do all the heavy lifting, all the difficult stuff. And God is saying, no, he wants to do the difficult work. Today I want to uh, look at three different stories in the Bible, and uh, I want to point this out. Like, God is interested in you, and it's not your faith that's going to make the difference. Uh, even despite your lack of faith, or your small faith, or your limited faith, God can do big things in your life. He does require you to have some faith, but He is going to do all the heavy lifting, Look at the story in, in Mark. We're working through, this, uh, through the gospel of Mark. Jesus chooses his first disciples. So Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they, they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And then they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. 
Here's what I want you to notice about this story. It's Jesus who initiates. It's Jesus who comes into the orbit of where these guys are fishing. These fishermen weren't like particularly faith, you know, filled in the sense that they weren't out seeking Jesus. They were just doing the everyday ordinary life. Jesus is the one which encounters them. It's Jesus which does the heavy lifting. He says, you guys, in other words, Jesus knows them and he chooses them. Jesus knows you and he chooses you. He calls them and he says, hey guys, come and follow me. The heavy lifting is all done by Jesus. Jesus had the faith in them. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, look, now first pray the sinner's prayer and then, you know, come follow me. He just says to them, follow me. Now, all that was required from them was to respond. And the great thing is, they all respond immediately. Now, that little bit of faith was highly rewarded. But the heavy lifting was done by Jesus. The point that I want you to notice in that story is that Jesus came into their presence. But once he was in their presence, their lives were changed forever. The response that Jesus is asking for us is this. Our response should be, we're all in. We're all in. Now, of course, we tend to doubt. We say, Lord, Lord, show us everything that's going to happen. Explain it a little bit more. I don't fully understand. We don't want to say we're all in. But God is saying, just respond. Believe me, I am good. I am loving. I know what's best for you. I have the best life ahead for you. Just respond. And that's what the disciples did. Jesus is greater than your lack of faith. And Jesus is saying to you, just like he did to the disciples, you've got good days ahead of you. Despite the way you might feel now, you have good things to look forward to. In the story that uh, follows straight after this, it says this in, cha in chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short. Be, be quiet, come out of that man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. This is really a, a remarkable story with a similar theme here. What I want you to uh, notice in this story is that Jesus does this on the Sabbath. Uh, you, you know, Jesus really like frustrated the religious leaders because he kept doing things that we're not supposed to be done according to Jewish law on the Sabbath. And Jesus does all, most of his healings like on the Sabbath. And it really annoys everybody. The, the religious people get annoyed. Jesus is preaching in the synagogue. The people coming into the synagogue like this guy, he wasn't expecting like this power encounter to happen. And what I am saying is this. When we come to church, when we get in the presence of God, things happen in our lives. Uh, you know, it wasn't like this man's faith was all that great. We're not even, his faith is not even mentioned. What is happening is the spiritual forces, whatever is afflicting this poor guy, it gets riled up because of the power and the presence of God. 
Now, I'll tell you something. We've seen that happen in this church, not that often, but on occasion. Somebody will come in, and as we're doing worship and I'm preaching, the person just comes unglued. And you realize what's happening is there's a struggle internally in that person, and the presence and the power of God is shaking up something. And, uh, it, you know, it's a really good thing because the man is then freed afterwards. It is interesting for us, again, to think, where is the level of faith? Who had faith? You know, it was Jesus. It was the presence of Jesus that made the difference. It wasn't like this man had this great plan of how he was going to self-deliver himself and get rid of his you know, afflictions. He probably didn't even understand fully what the heck was going on in his own body. But no faith was required. What was required was that he just shows up. Shows up. Yeah, I think, Lord, you know, honestly, with our walk, is that we would show up. The response that God is asking for us often is that, can you just show up? I mean, that's the amount of faith God is expecting from us. Can you just show up? Can you show up at church? Like, just be there? And can you allow the presence of God to do all sorts of incredibly wonderful things in your life? You know, the mystery is this. We come to church and say, you know, that sermon didn't connect with me. It just didn't relate. Or the worship was just like, you know, what, not what I was expecting, blah, blah, blah. Because we come with our own expectations. But if we're willing to say God is present, God has a whole set of agendas that we don't even understand. He'll do things in your life. He will bless you in ways that you have no idea of how he'll bless you. You think you want this requirement. God might have something totally different that he's working with in your life. But by showing up, you show up at life group, you show up at church, you're giving God the ability to bless you. You're coming into the presence of the all-powerful living God. And where believers gather together, there is power. And so just showing up is half the battle. He doesn't need you to have all sorts of faith and understand everything about the Bible. Just show up. You just show up. Uh, you will be loved. Jesus is greater than your lack of faith. Good days are ahead for you. There's, God has got stuff in store for you. Get in the race. Stay in the race. Yeah, God is, God is just an incredible God. You know, it's uh, back to our cleaning lady. It, it's like, you know, we come into the, the room and our cleaning lady is busy doing the windows in the kitchen, the inside and outside, and you walk into the bathroom and she hasn't gotten there yet and you're like, you're all focused and fixated on the bathroom. It's like, yeah, she said you're going to clean this place up and you're wasting your time in the windows and blah, blah, blah. And when you clean up this bathroom, my toilet's, you know, disgusting. And, and you're just like fixated on that because that's what you want fixed. It's like, she'll get there. Just like, get out of the way, will you? Just like, chill. Just like, give God a chance in your life. Just let God focus on the thing God needs to focus on. He'll get around to the things that you need. He'll get around to the things that you need. Let's look at uh, another story. Uh, this is related in some ways. This is chapter 5. Uh, another story about a demon-possessed man. So in chapter 5, uh, it says this. So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived a among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain whenever he put whenever he was put into chains and shackles he often uh, just snapped the chains from his wrist 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered around the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now, here's the thing. Notice what happens here when he gets into the presence of Jesus. There's a simultaneous something which is like compelling him to go towards Jesus and simultaneously something that's totally you know, repelling him from Jesus. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him. You know, it's like there's something about Jesus which is very compelling. There's something which is magnetic about Jesus. There's something that we all are drawn to Jesus by. And then he, he bows low before him. And then in verse 7 it says, With a shriek he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torment me. You know, so just like in the other story, there's this internal battle that we often have in our own minds. We're fighting with ourselves. We're fighting with, like we want to believe and we know the good that comes out of church and the good of having faith. But simultaneously, we say, ah, yeah, you know, not today and I'm like too busy and uh, it's a struggle. I'll do it later and I'm older You know, I'm going to have fun first and, and then I'll do that boring like church stuff, you know. And God is saying, no, if you want to have an awesome, radical life, fun life, you do it now. Don't postpone it. But anyway, uh, Jesus deals with this evil spirit. He says, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Uh, Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside of him. Then the evil spirits began, begged him again and again, not to send him to some distant, distant place. And anyway, jumping forward in the story, uh, the guys delivered and, and, and healed. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Now, this is the odd thing about the story. They weren't afraid when the guy's like a raging maniac cutting himself. But now that he's fully clothed and he's normal, everybody's afraid. I mean, it's like, this is an odd story. Uh, those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. You know, it, it's the oddest thing. You know, Jesus will do some like incredible thing in your life. And you'll go share it with one of your friends who doesn't believe. And the person's like, go away. You know, just leave me alone. And you're like, it's the greatest thing that could ever have happened. It, just this disconnect. Because you're dealing with more than just the normal. Uh, we all are spiritual beings. And there's something in us which is drawn to Jesus. And there's something in us which is recoiling from Jesus. I mean, you know this because you get excited about what God is doing in your life. You try and share it with a friend, a family member, somebody that you love, and they just don't get it. I mean, not only are they not excited, they're actually like, just like, shut up, will you? You know, like, can we get back to normal life and not talk about your Jesus? And you're like, normal life? Normal life with Jesus is exciting. Can we talk about normal life? With and they're like, no, 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 no. There's always this, there's always this, uh, it, there's always this battle. And, uh, you know, I, I just want you to notice again in this story, the thing that made the difference was Jesus' presence. He showed up. Jesus went to the individual. The individual, you know, running around caves and tombs, you know, he was unable to help himself. Jesus loves us. Jesus comes to us. No faith was required by the demon-possessed person. 
It was all Jesus' faith. You know, this internal resistance that we have, sometimes it can be totally demonic. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, I don't know how to define it. It might not be demonic, but it's an internal argument. Uh, you'd like debating yourself. Uh, on the one hand, you know what's right, but on the other hand, your mind is telling you something that's like what you want to do. Uh, you know, I should eat good food, but I'm going to choose, you know, the sloppy chips, hamburger, because I want it. I know I should exercise, but I'm not going to. I know I should go to church, but I'm not going to. I mean, you've all noticed the resistance that you encounter when you're about to do something that's good. If you haven't encountered a spiritual battle on your way to church, then you're not normal, especially in the early days. You know, you're like, you're late. I mean, you knew you weren't going to wake up late, but you're late. Or your kids have been great all week, but now Sunday morning they decide they're going to have a huge meltdown. And just before you leave the house, you end up having a fight with your spouse, and the whole drive to church is just like not that pleasant. You know, I mean, you've got to just realize that there's a spiritual battle. There's an enemy that does not want you to show up to church. And when we do life groups in the evening, we all deal with the challenge that is, right? You come home and you're so tired. It's like now to get up and leave the house again, it's like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. You know, it's like, leave the house. I'm just so exhausted. And then you get to group and it's like, I'm so glad I made it to group. It was so worth it. But you've got to, you've got to deal with resistance. You've got to deal with the struggle. And I'm, what I'm proposing is that struggle is more than just physiological. It, it, there's a struggle for your soul that's going on. And we need to uh, we need to recognize that. Uh, let me just back up on that story. Before Jesus arrives to deal with the demon-possessed guy hanging out in the cemetery, it's a story about Jesus calming the storm. Now, this story is sometimes pretty well known, but what's not that well known is that these two go together. In other words, Jesus says to his disciples, hey guys, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side of the lake where those heathens live, where those unclean people live, you know, those non-Jewish people, we would never associate with them. Let's go over there, because Jesus knew he had a plan. And when then the boat, the storm comes up, and this boat's about to sink, and Jesus in the back of the boat, and he's sleeping, he's having a great old time. You know, two things are happening in the story. I mean, the forces that be know where Jesus is going. There is resistance on the way to what Jesus is going to accomplish. There's resistance on the way. The storm brews. Jesus has to deal with the storm and kind of build up his disciples' faith in the process. Believe me, when you have resistance in your life, recognize it. Recognize what it's for, what, what's happening here. Jesus is doing something. Push through that resistance. Recognize that your good days are still ahead. Don't fixate on the difficulty of the situation. Ask Jesus into your life to get you through the storm. And like Jesus responded to his disciples, which is basically, come on, buddy, what's the big deal? We're going to sink. No, trust in me. I will do the heavy lifting. It's not your great faith. It's Jesus' great faith. You know, one word, Jesus calms the storm and plain sailing so they can get to the crazy guy. In a similar way, Jesus in one word can like calm the storm so that you can do the things that God has in, t in store for you to do. But what God is asking us is don't fixate on our problems. Uh, see that God has got you on a journey. Whether you're stuck on Heartbreak Hill like my friend was and, you know, I've got to pray for 
God has got you going. He's going to get you through it. He'll give you supernatural strength. He will get you through the difficult situation. Put your eyes on the Lord and realize that you've got good days ahead. And that's the reason why you need to push through the resistance that you pick up. When you have resistance coming to church, realize that God has got good things in store for you when you come to church and that you need to push through and get you to church. You know, the, the thing that we can do that's so easy is just show up in church on a regular basis, be in the presence of God, don't have to have a big agenda, let God do what God is going to do in your life. And, you know, I tell you, I'm in a small group with a bunch of pastors in, uh, in this area. And I want to mention their churches and I want to mention these pastors by name because they're good friends of mine. And each one of us is doing church a totally different way. But I want to say this. Each one of my friends are very, very, very committed to the Lord. And we've realized, as we've uh, developed a friendship, that we all have a different choice and a desire of how we want to do church. But we all are equally united that it's absolutely imperative that people show up in church. We've also recognized that a lot of people are just going from one of our churches to another church. And so, you know, we just say, well, okay, uh, you know, we're not in competition with each other. So down the street, we've got FCCH. It's the, you know, large church in our area. It's a large church for New England. And my friend Mike Lawrence is the lead pastor there. And, you know, uh, FCCH is a great church. But a lot of people are getting very, very, very frustrated with Mike. And the reason they're getting frustrated with Mike is because Mike loves Jesus and is singularly focused on wanting to see people that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. And so he's adopted what is often termed in Christian circles as a seeker-sensitive model, a Willow Creek. And uh, those that have been believers for a long time, they, they just get really frustrated. They say, you know, Mike doesn't teach the Bible enough, and you know, blah, 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 blah. And Mike is saying, I'm trying to win the lost. Okay, so a different approach. Uh, similarly, uh, my friend Tr uh, Travis Bond from the Medway Community Church, he's a Presbyterian, Reformed. I mean, the Reformed tradition is very different from Vineyard tr tradition. There's just a lot of things I love about the Reformed tradition, uh, particularly the end-time theology. I'm not giving anything away there, but, you know, I, I, think, they've got a, I think they're on the right track there. Uh, but, you know, they're different to what we are. They have a different focus. Uh, we tend to focus much more on things of the Holy Spirit. But great church, solid church. And then I've got my Anglican friend, you know, he's only in his early 30s down in Franklin at, uh, at the Redeemer Church. And, you know, it's traditional. He wears cloaks and garbs and hats and robes and, you know, whatever not. And, and, but, man, it's a great church. And the funny thing is more overlap in that church with the vineyard than many other churches because we just have a lot of overlap for a whole bunch of other reasons, which I don't have time to mention. But Dan De Silva, Dan Silva, he's just a great guy. And then Chapel of the Cross, Derek Duncan, the Baptist church, you know, down here in the corner of Westboro, Southboro, Hopkinson, I think especially in Westboro, another great church. I mean, you know, they do it their way and a lot of similar things. What I'm saying is we're all different. But if you can just show up in church, any church, find a church that you relate to. You say, you come to this church and say, this is our home. Or you come to this church and you say, Rob, you know, you just don't look like a pastor. You don't wear the robes. You don't have the smellies. You don't have the perfume. You know, okay, well, go to Dan's church. Jan, Dan will fix you up, you know. Uh, find one. 
just, you know, you'll know when it's home. Just like connect with your home. But if you get in a church, whichever church, God will start doing great things in your life. You got to, but you do have to show up and commit to it. So, uh, you know, I just, uh, I want to end with um, a little prayer here out of Colossians. Let me just uh, pray this, the Apostle Paul, with the Apostle Paul. It says this. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son who who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the marvelous things that you have done for us and are doing in our lives. Lord, that you just desire us to cooperate with you. Lord, and when we can get into your presence, Lord, you resolve and solve all our problems. You inspire us. You give us new life. You fill us with energy. You drive out demonic influences and afflictions in our lives. You heal us. You restore us. You give us hope. You give us friendship. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you've also given us eternal life. In your name, Jesus. Amen.